Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, folks. We're joined by Greg Rusevich, CEO of Transoceanic Development uh, and uh, one who gives a lot of time to our community by serving at, at, with the Metropolitan Crime Commission as well as GNO Inc. and served on a transition committee for Governor Jeff Landry. Greg, welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be on, Neil. Good to hear you. So um, we, we understand that the uh, Louisiana State Police are going to be sending down a, a, a relatively large contingent of officers for the Mardi Gras season, um, as well as making plans for their stay in the creation of a new troop here in the city of New Orleans. That's right. You know, Newell, it's really, you know, we've had this for a long time now where the state police have come in and supported New Orleans in special events, Mardi Gras and other special events that we have in the city. What's unique about it this time is that, uh, you know, we have them as a permanent deployment. And the whole Troop NOLA, uh, you know, as as a branded, which I think is really smart to to demonstrate their focus on New Orleans and our area. They've always been in giving us great support for Mardi Gras and giving us great support for other events and even coming in for Golden Eagle, you know, the different operation that they frequently run over the summer with regional and federal and local law enforcement. But to have them here as a permanent department is, is really good. And, you know, there uh, the Metropolitan Crime Commission, we had Colonel Hodges and his team at our board meeting last week. And the good thing is a lot of these, uh, you know, these leaders, including Colonel Hodges, are actually locals. And uh, as a matter of fact, Colonel Hodges graduated from Brother Martin, and we know he's going to do his job exceptionally well because the head of school for Brother Martin was there at our board meeting, and he made perfectly clear to the colonel that he'd be keeping a close eye on how the colonel and his <laughs> team perform. So we, we have every degree of confidence that we'll get a really good uh, service from them. <laughs> And I, I know the, the, the colonel very well, and in spite of his uh, high school affiliation, he, he, is, he is a good guy. <laughs> yeah, Rafi told me the same thing because he's a Dallas Al guy. So, yeah, that's the same thing. So, Greg, so, um, they, they, well, yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to ask, was, was there, were they in a position to reveal uh, what they thought this was going to look like in the aftermath of um, Mardi Gras? Well, no, but I can say this, uh, Newell, uh, you know, I, 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 I can take the liberty of stating the following, and that is that I think we're all very confident uh, based on statements and based on conversations that we're all having that that there's really good collaboration between uh, Colonel Hodges and the state police 
command structure with NOPD. Uh, so I think that the uh, deployment strategies, uh, it's been clear that they're going to be really good joint deployment strategies and joint understanding of how those deployment strategies will be accomplished. And uh, remember, Newell, as it's been stated, this is going to be a citywide deployment. So it won't just be one area. It will be citywide. And I would think certainly I know the Metropolitan Crime Commission has encouraged uh, the the LSP uh, to, to take a particular look at hot spots, too, you know, some of the, the, those critical areas high crime areas, and um, uh, we have every confidence that Colonel Hodges and Chief Kirkpatrick are working well together and their teams on what those deployment strategies uh, would be. Do we have a clear understanding of the size of the deployment? I think the new deployment, uh, from what I understand, it'll be initially about a 40-unit, you know, 40-person unit, uh, Newell, you know, a number of about 40, and that's in addition to the ongoing state police that are here. So I think we're getting an additional 40 uh, troopers that are coming in initially, and I think they plan to make that more robust. But you have to start somewhere, and I think that's the uh, initial start to it. So, uh, you know, and they're, again, deployed in other parts of the city now in different in, in, in different areas for very specific purposes that fit within the normal state police guidelines this will be an addition to that. So what we're thinking is that it's going to be more of a task force style of deployment. That's right. And that's right. Newell. I think that and that term has been used quite regularly, the whole task force uh, element and working within, you know, very collaboratively and very cooperatively uh, with, uh, with NOPD. So, and I think for Mardi Gras too, you know, they'll obviously have a very large deployment for Mardi Gras and it's not just state police that'll be here in large deployment for Mardi Gras, but, uh, you know, I think regional law enforcement are really coming in in full force. I know because I'm a Lieutenant in Endymion and I know that, uh, Sheriff Lapinto has been just terrific JPSO in terms of giving certainly in Demi and the full support on Orleans Avenue and even into Carrollton. And, uh, and I know he's supporting and JPSO is supporting NOPD and some of those other, uh, you know, and other, and other parades as well. And that's, that doesn't kind of North shore is coming in St. Tammany and St. Bernard. And we've got really good regional collaboration. And, yeah. It's good to see new, this level of collaboration, and cooperation. I know we've been urging that for some time, sort of between federal and state and local and regional law enforcement, that we work as one team, we're one region. And it, it seems like we're taking some really good steps in that direction. I think this uh, deployment of the state police, uh, the, the Troop NOLA, uh, demonstrates uh, is a symbol of that collaboration. And so that's very uh, satisfying to see. Greg, I, I, um, I, I think it, it, it's absolutely going to require collaboration. Um, I'm not as excited as others about this task force-style deployment, and, and I think one of the things that needs to be considered is that we are now in jail over crowding conditions. We have reached the max in the jail. And, you know, so the ability to selectively incapacitate impact criminals are going to be hampered unless there's an improvement in the throughput at criminal district court. Uh, I had the sheriff on the other day, 
and she tells me that they are now regularly moving the inmates, making the appearances and everything else. That's all great. Uh, but unless we get the throughput in in the courts, there's no place to put these people. And and I hope that someone is really closely paying attention to how this has a, a hand in glove um, you know, outcome uh, that that needs to be addressed on both sides of this equation, um, because as you well know, the tests just for the benefit of the listening audience. When you have a task force style deployment such as this, uh, it doesn't help with response time. It doesn't help with the backlog of calls that that are out there uh, for the everyday officers and. I've always believed that the cornerstone of the success of the JPSO has always been we've had the public's trust in our hand because when they go, when they call, we respond. And it's a lot easier to get stuff done. It's a lot easier to get witnesses to cooperate when they feel good about calling the police and know that, they're, that, that the cavalry is showing up at their house when they call. Um, and... A lot of folks have been opposed to other styles of the deployment, um, and I just I throw that out because I know that you're interacting with these folks on a daily basis. They really need to find out how much capacity they're going to have in that jail uh, because to arrest some of these and have them go in, come out, they haven't accomplished much and because they're going to go right back to what they do best, and that's always uh, – you know, I think uh, been a real challenge uh, here. Your thoughts? No, I would say two things. I agree wholeheartedly with you, Newell. And as you know, certainly uh, the Metropolitan Crime Commission and many other, you know, related agencies and the community organizations on the business side were have been aware, have been concerned for some time now that 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 we were building that jail and the expansion too small. You know, and I, you look, none of us want to jail people that shouldn't be jailed. Everyone wants second chances. Everyone wants alternatives to incarceration. Uh, but our numbers over the years, the MCC numbers, the tracking has demonstrated that most of vast majority of those individuals in the jail right now have, you know, or can be a danger to the community. And uh, they're not just in there for first-time pot possession. That's been a myth for some time now. And so uh, at this point, it is what it is, and I think we it's a problem. And understandably, Newell, it's a problem. And uh, the throughput certainly needs to be there, and you, you can't have people to just come in that are then not prosecuted. So uh, I don't know really what to say on the jail size and on the jail situation. I really haven't assessed that. I can say on the response time, and, you know, we've had this for the last uh, many years, really for the last five years and eight years, really, uh, since the uh, since Mitch uh, you know, passed the, uh, the, the budget would not give the police the money they need. They needed back in 2012. And ever since then, we've had a real manpower issue. And we had 1,250 officers just back in 2019 in an OPD, and now we're down to less than 900. So clearly, you're not going to get the response time needed when you have off, you know, an, a manpower count that low. Uh, I know Jefferson Parish has not had the calm numbers, but they also had not have not had that kind of manpower shortage and hit. 
So I think manpower is really critical. And one of the things we're focused on, Newell, from from the NOLA coalition to the MCC to others, is staying very focused on recruiting and attrition. Because if we don't retain more officers and we don't recruit more officers, and we have to keep our foot on that pedal, we need more applicants, we need more hires, and uh, there's a lot of work to be done on the rec- recruiting side. And, and without that, we'll never – now, that doesn't solve the jail issue because as you, and as you increase NOPD manpower, you're likely to have more arrest. And, uh, you know, violent Well, that, that was – that's kind of my, my thinking. I mean, if you just look at the murder numbers, right? I mean, we had um, 280 in 2022, 218. You take half of that is about 249. If you, if you just had a 50% solution rate on on murders, right, um, and the, the clearance rate uh, nationally is about 54%. That's the average. So if you were just average, you, you know, that's another 250 beds consumed. And at the rate, the throughput in this court, probably greater than 18 months on a murder case mm-hmm. um, you know and that's not counting the ones that are already in there for murder right now and thankfully the NOPD has been making great cases on murder cases well those right those are cases that don't move through the system very quickly unless we get engaged in vertical prosecution units to kind of move that through I mean it's always been an issue in JP as well throughput is the key in you know, to be able to provide access, to put the next impact criminal away, and one can't work without the other. And, you know, and, and I just, I throw that out because, I, as I said before, I know that you're very involved and in, in, in engaged on many fronts that we really need to think about where, where that's going to be because it's going to harm whatever effort that we have. I mean, if we were to put five task forces out there tomorrow in the hopes that we're going to be able to move the needle the way you move the needle with impact criminals is you lock them up because uh, that's all yeah. they do that's all they know how to do and that's all they want to do and you know without that option there um, it's a cog in the wheel uh, that gets very difficult uh, to accomplish uh, no, that's a, the, the, those the, those are very good words, and uh, you know, it, I'll, I'll make sure that we really take those to heart. And I think it's a very good point. Frankly, I've been focused on the state policing side, some of the you know DAAG collaborations, and not a focus on the French Quarter and manpower. But that one, that subject that you brought up on throughput, really, I personally have not focused on. But I'll make sure that the organizations which I connect with really give that some emphasis and, you know, take your words to heart and, and follow up on that item. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And thank you for coming on today. We really appreciate the work that you do. Um, and I know the breadth and depth of it. And uh, we uh, truly appreciate your efforts day in and day out. Thank you, Newell. Just one thing I did want to add, please, as you're on those parade routes and even the riders, you know, one thing that we can all do is really thank law enforcement. If no, you absolutely. see an officer, if you're around an officer, I know when I ride, Newell, I, I try and reach out. I scream to them, thank you, thank you. I get everybody on the float to praise them. 
and uh, any and even being out there on those parade routes, any officer, any law enforcement officer you see, please thank them. They're doing a hell of a job. They're out there for long periods. They work beautifully with the crowd. We need to really it's a, it's a special time to honor and thank our law enforcement. So we, please, we any, are very any, fortunate. That to yeah, we, we are, are very, very fortunate. fortunate. They do a, Yeah, and we did a great job. Yeah, thank you, Newell. All right, Greg Rusevich, CEO of Transoceanic Development. Let's go to Ian Ozan for breaking news. Ian? Newell, you remember that shooting in the Central Business District last week, uh, the drive-by the corner of Common and Carondelet. We're now learning from the New Orleans Police Department, the gunman in that shooting, the suspected gunman, Bryson Jones, now facing a murder charge, second-degree murder charge, in connection with an unrelated shooting that happened three days prior According to police, Jones shot a, uh, two men and a woman on Sunday, January the 14th. One of those men later died at the hospital. Police say evidence led them to Jones. He has now been rebooked into the Orleans Parish Jail on an attempted murder charge and a second-degree murder charge, in addition to all of those other charges he's facing from the CBD shooting. All righty. Thank you for that update. This is a classic example of what I was just talking about, if the NOPD improves their clearance rates on these cases, the cog in the wheel is throughput. And unless we get that throughput through that criminal court system over there and we get all of these judges working on their dockets, judges that have dockets over 300 cases and others that are close to 100, why the difference? They're allotted randomly. And for us in the general public, we cannot lose sight. We have to put pressure on the criminal district court judges to show up every day, to start court at 8 or 8.30 every morning, to work through this process. This is not a job that is like mailbox money, that you just show up to collect the check. You ran for these jobs. Take them seriously. Because people's lives depend on the work that you do each and every day. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, folks. We are joined by Mark Shirley, Louisiana State University Ag Center Crawfish Specialist. Mark, welcome to the show. Good morning, Newell. How's it going over there today? Uh, I'm depressed, Mark. So, <laughs> well, I am too, uh, actually. The outlook on this crawfish thing, I am in complete state of depression. <laughs> yeah, so where uh, are we? Well, uh, 
I'm talking to uh, crawfish farmers every day, uh, early morning, late at night. We're texting. Uh, they're sending, sending me pictures of uh, crawfish traps that only have one or two crawfish in it. Uh, wow. Uh, they're sending me pictures of, uh, you know, where they should have, you know, hundreds of sacks of crawfish at the buyer right now. They only have, like, three or four sacks. Uh, yeah, it is depressing. Is there anything to reverse this? I mean, does does can the season does the season get elongated? I mean, we've had a lot of rain here recently. Does does any of this matter? Uh, the the rain, uh, the warmer temperature that will kind of help some of our uh, uh, some of the ponds do have some small young crawfish in them. Okay, uh, some ponds are not a complete loss, uh, but these crawfish are still anywhere from a half inch to an inch or two inches. Uh, and they, they need these warm spells in order to molt and grow. So, uh, yeah, for the crawfish that are still alive in the ponds, it, it will help. But uh, the, the fact is, you know, we lost probably 95% of our brood stock and carryover crawfish uh, back sometime in the uh, summer and fall. And nothing we can do now is going to bring them back to life. So uh, we'll, you know, what we have in the pond now is what we have. So there's a difference between um, the pond crawfish and those in the wild, right? Um, how much is the impact of the others? Okay. Uh, in a normal year, uh, and both, you know, both the Chaplaya Basin and the ponds, we're talking about the red swamp crawfish. So it's the same species of crawfish. Uh, well, the basin does have some white crawfish mixed in a little bit, but for the most part, it's almost all red swamp. Okay, so it's the same species of crawfish. Uh, the ponds, we try to uh, get them more into a cycle that fits our uh, market demand, uh, such that we have some crawfish available in a normal year during, you know, winter, December, January. You know, and then as we get into spring, warmer temperatures, we have more supply. Uh, you know, so uh, the, the ponds give us uh, a, a bigger and more consistent supply except when we have a major drought like like we had uh the basin really depends on uh, water levels um and that depends on how much snow melt and rainfall they get all up the mississippi watershed and how much water is uh diverted down into the Atchafalaya basin so over the next several months uh, the basin water level should come up you know like it usually does so if that happens you know, they will be able to produce some crawfish for the market. But in a normal year, you know, maybe 10, 15% of the market crawfish comes from the Chaffalaya Basin. Uh, but this year, that's going to be our main source of crawfish in the springtime. Yeah. And so that's really not going to drive the price down much either, right? Um, it's still going to be a relatively short supply, so... Uh, prices will still be pretty high, yes. I was looking at a, a chart on some of the data that you provided for me where it says acres failed for crawfish, 45,700 acres. What does that mean? Okay, that uh, back in November, um, LSU, uh, uh, myself, I gave some input on the crawfish, and uh, we had – other county agents and specialists around the state look at all the uh, crops and livestock that are affected by a drought. And uh, we kind of put our heads together and tried to come up with a crystal ball 
uh, estimate of the pond acres that would not produce any crawfish at all. And that's that number, that 46,000, which is probably lowballing from what I see right now. Uh, As far as more acres than that, they'll actually produce zero crawfish, and uh, the farmer will have to make a decision whether to drain it, maybe plant rice or plant soybeans or uh, try to do some other crop. Um, So there's a significant amount of acres that uh, just will not produce any crawfish. Now, you have a lot more acres that will produce some crawfish, but just not the normal uh, production level. Yeah, not not the regular yield, right? So normally our, our crawfish ponds can yield statewide average uh, is probably around 500 to 600 pounds per acre for the season. Uh, now, some of the ponds that are really well managed and uh, they can get up to 800 to 1,000 pounds of crawfish per acre uh, for the season. Uh, so that would be a, a normal uh, good crop. Uh, I think we're looking at probably maybe two or 300 pounds is going to be a good catch out of some of these ponds this year. So it's going to be well less than half, maybe less than a quarter of that total production. Looking forward to next year, uh, Mark, um, are we able to establish establish um, uh, the crop again for the next next year's season? Yeah, that that's a concern that a lot of farmers have. You know, not only can they not you know pay the bills right now for this season, but they're looking at next season. Can they get stock? Um, the time to stock crawfish in these ponds is. Uh, May and June, okay, when the rice is planted and the rice plant is uh, maybe 14 or so inches tall or better, sometime in uh, May and June, they'll buy mature crawfish from another farmer, from the basin, and put that into that field. And that's the brood stock that produces the crop next year. Well, Mm -hmm. come this May and June, I'm kind of concerned that the supply of crawfish just may not be there. So, the market is certainly going to demand as much crawfish as, as it can, um, but the farmers will need some stock, and we may depend on the Chaffalaya Basin to produce that stock for us. So they're in a catch-22, right? They they need to sell crawfish if their yield is only 300 pounds per acre in order to cover their cost of operation for this year, but they really shouldn't take that entire yield out in order to have the necessary brood stock for next year uh, yeah it's just you know a short supply for the market short supply for stock um let's see i talked to one farmer just the other day and he said you know if he adds up all his expenses thus far okay his stock uh that he put in last uh june and all through the fall he pumped spent a lot of extra dollars pumping because it's so dry it evaporated as fast as he was pumping so he's already got $234 per acre on 1,500 acres. That's that's his cost, his expenses thus far. And he's caught only a few pounds of crawfish total. So he's way in the hole, uh, multiplied out, uh, you know, tens of thousands, $100,000 uh, that he's hoping he can catch a little bit of crawfish to pay off that debt. 
But uh, that's kind of the situation across uh, all of Acadiana and all across the state. Uh, the farmers have already spent a bunch of money trying to produce this crop, and the crop is, is big failure. So it, it is a disaster that uh, uh, they do need some help, whether it's going to come from the U.S. Department of Agriculture or uh, if there's uh, any other programs out there that uh, could help them. But a lot of farmers are going to be in the bind this year. What does it take, um, Mark, uh, how many pounds per acre in providing broodstock to reestablish? Um, ah, good question. Th- um, it takes at least about 60 pounds of mature crawfish per acre, and a lot of farmers will put uh, close to 90 pounds. So that's about three sacks per acre. Two to three sacks per acre uh, is what most people will stock. And you, you hope that a, most of that is going to survive by burrowing down in their holes, you know, that burrow that may be uh, 20 or 30 inches deep. If there's enough moisture down that burrow, they'll survive until the fall. And in the fall is when those females come out with their batch of babies that may be two or three or 400 babies per female. And that's what populates the pond. So ideally, yeah, they'd stock two to three sacks or it's, 60 to 90 pounds per acre. And um, I got a text about, uh, does the freeze impact um, that that stock and the yield? Uh, the freeze really just kind of delays things. Okay, that crawfish is a little cold-blooded crustacean, and he's down in the mud on the bottom of the pond. And if there's an inch or so of ice, on the surface, it's really not, uh, it does not kill those crawfish. It does slow their body metabolism down such that they're not feeding, they're not active, they're not growing, they're not coming to a trap. They just sit there. And if that water temperature is down in the 40s or 30s, he just sits there and nothing happens for a week or two weeks or three weeks until the water temperature warms up, until we get some good sunshine and uh, that water warms up. Then he'll become active again, start feeding, start growing. So, uh, a, you know, a good hard freeze like we had uh, last week, um, several days we had ice on the surface. That just slowed their growth. It didn't kill them, uh, but it delayed their growth another three or four weeks in their uh, growth to finally get to a har- harvestable size. Another text about uh, whether or not uh – they they have the opportunity to provide well water to those fields in order to to overcome the drought. Yeah, it, uh, you would think that uh, well, you know, if I have a well, I can run that well and still flood the field. And even those ponds that are supplied with well water uh, that actually had a supply of water and, and pumped uh, a lot during September October, even those fields. Uh, suffered the mortality um, of the broodstock. So it looked like even ponds that dried up, even just for, you know, two or three weeks, maybe in August, uh, right after they harvested the rice, um, maybe it uh, took a couple of weeks for, to put water back on the rice stubble to get that growing, or even ponds that are permanent crawfish uh, ponds that planted rice just for crawfish in July, and then they came back and, uh, had some 
uh, shallow water during September and October, even those fields, we're not seeing the population of crawfish that should be there. So uh, no matter what, uh, the crawfish burrows just cracked open and dried up, and those crawfish died. So even in the best case where you had well water, that didn't save you. Yeah, and August is always one of those months where we have inter- intermittent rain throughout the entire month, right? Yeah, we, you know, we should have at least an occasional, you know, downpour, uh, you know, of an inch or two or three. But all during uh, this past uh, August, September, October, those months we just had, you know, like a tenth of an inch of rain or uh, the weather service, uh, I looked at some data, it was a couple of days they had a TR trace. So uh, there wasn't a significant rainfall until we got to December 1st. Um, Pretty much southwest Louisiana, uh, there was a front pass through, and we got uh, four to six inches of rain in some areas. So, But before that, you know, there really wasn't a significant rainfall event to kind of help us out. So that ground just dried up uh, down deep. It dried, and no matter how much pumping you did, it just couldn't replenish that groundwater supply and keep those burrows wet. Mark, if I'm reading this report right, when we look at other agricultural products, it looks like soybeans really it took a big hit as well. 66,600 acres failed. Additional acres impacted over 750,000 acres, roughly 45% of the yield. Right. So, you know, that, that drought was, you know, a tremendous devastation, caused tremendous devastation to Louisiana agriculture, you know, all our crops. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see uh, the recovery of this because it is really a catch-22 and making that investment back in, as you said, in that brood stock. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I got my fingers crossed. <laughs> but well, uh, you, you didn't. You, it, you so, didn't. Really, uh, you didn't re- reduce my level of depression, <laughs> Mark, at all. Yeah. If anything, uh, okay, Lent and uh, you know uh, Mardi Gras and uh, Ash Wednesday and Lent and East is coming up. Uh, the I guess the only good thing I can think of is that okay, Louisiana does produce a lot of seafood. Okay, so instead of having right. crawfish, you know, uh, let's boil some shrimp. Well, some shrimp, uh, Louisiana yeah. Produces, Louisiana has a lot of shrimp that we produce. The The problem there is even in some of your bigger famous restaurants, they're still using imported farm-raised shrimp from somewhere in Southeast Asia. Uh, yeah. So, it, you know, if anything, you know, when you do go out to eat, instead of having crawfish, uh, ask for Louisiana shrimp and uh, Louisiana get Louisiana shrimp, shrimp, no shrimp doubt. In, instead. And over the next several weeks, there's always king cake. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, we can at least get fat on king cake. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my part to support the king cake uh, industry. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I am too. Mark Shirley, Louisiana State University Ag Center Crawfish Specialist. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great week. Oh, all right. You too. Good talking with you. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You're going to love this. The U.N. Relief and Works Agency for Palestine Refugees in the Near East. They deliver aid to Palestinians across Gaza, the West Bank, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. The U.S. is the largest donor. We provide $343 million of its budget in 2022. Well, they just release that a number of their employees took part in the October 7th terrorist attacks. The State Department indicated that 12 U.N. employees allegedly took part in the attacks and announced that it had temporarily paused funding for the agency while it reviews the situation. This information was obviously provided by the Israelis. And they have uh, basically accused this agency of being um, an, uh, an agency that participates in stuff like this on behalf of the Palestinians. Well, here it is. Now they have evidence of it. Now they've, um, they've uh, fired 12 employees. In a statement Friday morning, uh, this morning, the Commissioner General, Philippe Lazzarini, disclosed that Israel had presented his agency with evidence of its employees' involvement in Hamas's massacre of the Israelis. He goes on to say that protect, to protect the agency's ability to deliver humanitarian assistance, I have taken the decision to immediately terminate the contracts of these members and launch an investigation in order to establish the truth without delay and any employee who is involved in acts of terror will be held accountable, including criminal prosecution. If they're in this country, they should be deported. The Trump administration, you will recall, back in 2018, said that the U.S. shoulders a disproportionate share of this budget, blink and resume the funding to the UNRWA, three years later, pledging that they would seek reforms to the organization. Well, those reforms that they sought did not work so good. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Folks, when we come back, we'll visit with Ben Albright, CEO, independent insurance agent and brokers of Louisiana uh, Service Corporation. We'll talk about why we have so many insurance company failures here in the state of Louisiana. And in the back half of the 12 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Ed Michel, Inspector General, 
of the city of New Orleans. He's issued a new report of allegations that the city of New Orleans violated their own CEA. We'll be right back. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.